Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. Trevor Zegras, who's talking before the game. He's bringing that same energy. Dixie on the side of the net. Zegras scores. Levi didn't know where it was. And it's 2-0 Team USA. And welcome into Judd's Hockey Show with Declan Goff, as always, producing and also my co-host. And I believe, Declan, we are now back for the rest of the hockey season. Considering back. training camp has started, the Wild's going to start, what, January 14th against the Los Angeles Kings and their 56-game schedule. Uh, a lot to get to as far as the Wild, uh, but some potential uh, juicy reckless speculation rumors and also line combinations that we have seen early in training camp, which are always fun to talk about. But before we uh, tread on to the National Hockey League conversation, congratulations. Team USA, again, continues, and this is really incredible, continues to dominate Canada in the World Juniors, which I consider personally uh, to be my favorite um, international tournament going right now. The Olympics is great when the NHLers play, but when they don't, I think it's probably pretty much garbage in my opinion. Sure. Uh, the World Championships is a collection of guys who just got eliminated from the playoffs a lot of times, at least when it comes to the U.S. and uh, Canadian rosters. But the World Juniors, while not always all of the best players in that age group, mm-hmm. is a collection of outstanding talent. Canada basically had uh, a first-round draft pick team. I, I mean, that yeah. that I believe that they went into the gold medal game, if I'm not mistaken, last night, that they had outscored their opponents something like 34-3. to three, Something right. ridiculous. Sounds right. And, and the U.S. Uh, wins 2 to nothing. Spencer Knight in goal was absolutely outstanding. Um, Zegras, who you just heard that highlight from, who is going to be with the uh, Anaheim Ducks, was outstanding. And the good news, if you're a Wild fan, is that Matthew Boldy, who was, I think what we could safely say, not having seen the kid at all, by the way, at the time, what we consider to be a suspect pick by the Wild, I think 12th overall in 2019 by Paul Fenton, because a lot of us looked at the uh, diminutive Cole Caulfield and said, that guy can score goals and you need guys that can score goals. And then Boldy had sort of a first uh, year, was a little bit questionable at where Boston College. Um, but in this tournament, my man, he was impressive. And if this is what the Wild is going to get, and I again, I'll preface this just being very careful by saying if, because we've seen Coyle, We've seen Greenway, and we've and when Greenway got here, I thought, okay, this is going to be yeah, great from day too. one. So I'll preface this by being very cautious. But what Matthew Boldy showed us from his size and his skills and his ability uh, in front of the net at the World Junior Championships, if this kid's for real, this is a prototypical National Hockey League player. Yeah, he looked the part, man. I mean, five goals in that World Juniors tournament. He was all over the net. He was in the corners. He was doing a lot of good stuff, and. um and I, I do think he has a brighter future than uh, than Jordan Greenway does, or and Charlie Coyle did as well. And it's great. I'm glad he picked things back up. Because yeah, like I said, he was kind of quiet his first freshman season in, in college hockey. And you know, there was he got he had some bad puck luck as well. But I think this kid's going to look the part. And um, and to be honest, if I 
want to do. I would love to have Caulfield and Boldy on the same line uh, someday because those guys had some great chemistry together. I mean, you saw it right there. And and look, it's okay, by the way, for Wild fans to not drool or not, or not be upset that Cole Caulfield was the wrong pick. I'm excited to watch Cole Caulfield in the NHL. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of the whole this whole like Stefan Diggs situation. Like you're like you're gonna bad mouth like a, a guy who's playing very very well. Um, I, I wish Caulfield nothing but success. And I, yes, it looks like the Wild made the right pick. That's okay, but it's all right to question it as well if Cole Caulfield possibly could also be a very good NHL player. So Matthew Boldy though, phenomenal. I'm excited to see him play. Excited to see him get here. Probably going to be still another year away, if not more. I bet he finishes this year at Boston College, then probably declares for the NHL or, or leaves early, especially with the year he's having. But hats off to Team USA. It, I, I like World Juniors. Um, it doesn't get my socks off like rocks off like like a lot of other people does. Like it's it. fun. It's fun. Fun tournament. And it's uh, it's it's there's skill up and down. I'm not going to sit there and watch USA Finland. I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. Really? That's just not my oh, thing. Oh, yeah, I love it's it. That's not my thing. Oh, Gold medal game, stuff. I'm all in. Medal game, I'm all in. Um, or if it's Germany, for God's sake, I'm not going to watch that. I'm sorry. Germany has some talent, my man. See, there, there is some talent. Yeah, and that's great. But I, it's, it, that, that's like, I, I can't do great. it. I just can't do it. I mean, I like college hockey, but even then, it's like, I'm not so, going to watch a random college hockey game. So the, the world. Junior tournament for a long time used to sort of be this quaint Canadian thing, and, and it, it would be played in. Europe, and it was actually here in, I want to say, 83. It was split between something like Met Center and um, Rochester. And it was it was fun, but it was just this thing that people, especially in the States, heard about and didn't see much. And then, at some point in time, TSN, which is the ESPN of Canada, started to carry it and carry the whole thing. And I, it's, I equate the World Juniors on a national stage mm-hmm. to being what the high school hockey tournament became here. Because I think when I think the high school hockey tournament started in 1945, and I think it was a very quaint, it was sort of popular, but it wasn't the, it was not the um, mammoth thing that it became. Mm-hmm. And then TV got involved, right, and started to carry all the games, and that changed it. So I think on a national scale, the World Juniors has sort of become that because it's all this really fun young talent. You can watch all of the games, and the kids care a lot. Like, the Canadian kids will take heat. Oh, yeah. Which is probably not fair. It's probably stupid. But the Canadian players will take heat. And if you saw them uh, in the medal ceremony as they got their silvers last night, I mean, you had a ton of kids crying. Yeah. Like, absolutely devastated. And I guarantee you that their play and that that loss in which – by the way, they outshot the U.S. in the third period, 15-1. to 1, Will be critiqued heavily, but that is a great win. And so now um, that win gave USA Hockey its fourth consecutive win over Canada in a World Junior Championship uh, final. They've earned wins in 2004, 2010, 2017, and 2021. The U.S. is 4-1 in gold medal games against Canada, uh, which, of course, has 18 golds itself. So that was impressive. That was fun, and uh, I can only hope that someday Matthew Boldy develops into the player that we saw last night. Absolutely. Because I will just, again, be very cautious. I think I sat on this same mic saying, Jordan Greenway, this is going to be incredible. Yeah. And so far, it has not been incredible. Let's uh, transition to this. Nick is a defensive player, uh, which can uh, 
bring a lot of offense as well. You know, he can pass the puck and he does uh, a lot of small things. You know, and uh, and Marcus, he can uh, he's a very skilled player and uh, he can make plays uh, both. I mean, both can make plays that uh, you're kind of un- unexpected, unexpected. So you have to be ready uh, at all time. Kevin Fiala talking about the fact that training camp has started and he is on a line that we will get into in one second. But before we do, Dex, I think that we need to pay ode to a guy who is not at training camp for the first time in a long time. Hold on a second here. I'll get it right in front of the camera. Yep. Miko Koivu. Yep. Brother Liam. I, I'm sorry, but he's not here. I think he's go- He's fine with it now. Oh, is he finally I, I, okay I, I with it? I think now he's, he's finally anyway, moved on. He's I gone. He's, he's gone. On the it. captain is gone. He's yeah. been replaced. Uh, Jared Spurgeon named the new wild captain, and we'll talk about that in a second as well. But let's hit on these. Uh, actually, let's hit, hit on Spurgeon first and then the lines. Yep. Um, all right. So to be clear, I was on the record as saying that I would have picked Marcus Foligno to be my captain. But I understand, Declan, with with Spurgeon being signed to a long-term contract, yep. with him being clearly one of your best players, which he is. Uh, the thing I like about Foligno is I think that he holds people accountable. Spurgeon is, and, and Garen has talked about this too, he's a much quieter kid or a quieter guy. Uh, he's going to lead by example, and he's certainly going to lead by the fact that he is a very good to outstanding player. Which, by the way, at one point in time, Koivu was too. Koivu and Koivu's heyday was really good. Oh, yeah. Um, good player. But I guess at the end of the day, while I personally would have picked Felino, and I'm guessing that part of the reason he didn't get picked was his contract status after this season is far more up in the air. Mm-hmm. I am okay with this from this standpoint. Picking Spurgeon, I think, still turns a page on the previous chapter. Yes. Which is, to me, the most imperative thing. So, and we'll get to a guy who expressed disappointment about not being picked as the captain, which wouldn't have turned a page. But I think the most important thing was, despite the fact that Jared Spurgeon has been here now for pretty much an extended period of time, Jared Spurgeon is still going to be in that next group and going to contribute way into the future. And so I think it was very important to pick somebody who teammates can look at and realize that this is not a vestige from the wild team that was going to make a run at the Stanley Cup final, that this was actually a pick from a player who is going to be here for hopefully when the uh, page turns for the wild and they take that next step with really what's going to amount to a new crop. Yeah, I I think, look, Jared was the odds-on favorite to to get the captaincy, and and he's deserved it over the years. He's had an amazing ride to the NHL, essentially being a, a, a fringe draft pick and then being a UDFA and basically landing here and, and building an insane career, working his way through the minors and then being just a mainstay on the blue line, one of the most underappreciated uh, players in all of hockey. Uh, but I would have liked to see Felino too. I still think this is a good move for the Wild. Um, Spurgeon's been here. He's done that. He's quiet. That's fine. Um, he's not going to give any juicy quote by any means in, in, in the post-game scrum after right. a game. But that's fine. Look, I mean... Just selfishly, you and I both liked Felino too, because he he will tell you something in, in the post game scrum. He will tell you something when it's not working, and I appreciate that. Uh, but I think Spurgeon being locked in uh, for basically the, for the next six seven years here at a pretty hefty price, and I I see his game carrying over for a long time. I don't see his game diminishing by any means. I think it was the right move, and with other people in this locker room and with the core that was broken up over the last few years from Fenton and Guerin. You had to turn the page eventually. 
Like, and I still feel like, and just like uh, some people can't just get over the get over the old boyfriend girlfriend situation. Like, you got to turn the page. Like, it didn't work. Was it a rocky ending? Was there things you'd like to do differently at the end? Of course, you would have liked to do things differently. But guess what? That chapter of your life and that chapter is now over. So move on, turn the page, flip it over, let's go. That's that's all I, I'll have to say. Well, I mean, let's get at the heart of <laughs> something that you objected to. And I didn't object as strongly, and I guess I wasn't surprised, which was Zach Parisi was pretty candid when asked about the yeah. fact that he didn't get the captaincy and said, I'm all in for Spurge, but I am disappointed. Um, but you know what I found the most telling part of that whole exchange to be? It was not that part. What I found to be really telling as far as how things are operating with Parisi and Garen Everson and go down the line of the people that run the wild now was that Parisi said, no one said a word to me. Yeah. And it's funny too, Dex, because good. Well, and in our conversations and God knows we had these conversations Everybody that follows the wild had the conversation about who's going to replace Miko as the next captain. I thought of, but I don't think I ever once mentioned as a realistic possibility, Suter or, or Parisi. Yeah. I don't think we ever even debated them no. because it just seemed to be that this, it's so crystal clear that this franchise and Garen knows this too. The franchise, this franchise needs to turn that page. They just have to. And that doesn't mean that they're gone, but, I would have been I would have been less surprised if the day they signed Zach and Ryan, if they had stripped Koivu of the captaincy and give it to given it to Parisi back then, I would have been less surprised by that than I would have been if they had given Parisi the captaincy now. Like I didn't even consider Suter or Parisi for it. I didn't even talk we didn't talk about him. No. Um but that but that is the acknowledgement. Yeah. That that is the definite acknowledgement that this franchise must go. It doesn't mean that all the guys are gone. A lot of them are now, and that's a good thing. But this franchise must go in a different direction. They're going to. I want to clear up something, though, because I tweeted about this. And, of course, on Twitter, things get taken wrong because you can't explain yourself as much. Uh, when it gets to the Felino is a good quote conversation, I, of course, got back. Nobody cares what you guys in the media think is a good quote. That's not the point. Um, just to, I'm not upset about the comebacks because the comebacks are fair, but I'd like to clarify my feeling about that. And I'm curious if you agree. It isn't that Marcus Foligno gives us good quotes. It's that we, you have to understand, um, despite the fact that sports fans, I think, don't get this, is a lot of times how a player is internally, especially an important player, is how they are externally. Yes. Like Jared Spurgeon, we have both, and he strikes me as a really nice guy, but we have covered him for a few years now, Dex. And there is no way that I think when the door of the wild locker room at XL Energy Center closes, that Jared Spurgeon becomes a different person. He's an understated dude. He just, I mean, he's just a quiet guy. I think that's fair to assume. And the team, and Garen said flat out, he is a quiet guy and he's going to lead with how he plays. But when I tweet that I like that Felino gives good quotes and holds people accountable, that's because I think that that's how he operates when we're not there. I agree. So, so I just I don't want people. This was this was not. I want him to have the C because of us. This was. This is what I've observed. Our jobs are to to observe what some what some fans can't because our access is great. 
at least non-COVID times, our access can be outstanding to observe those things and then try and pass on what we think about those things to the fan base that cares about this team, right? Exactly. And Marcus Foligno, to me, in how he approaches us and how he approaches sort of what appears to be his day-to-day life, I just think that it would have been a refreshing thing to go from Koivu, understated, I thought surly, Mm -hmm. to Foligno, who is not afraid to get in a guy's face. Because I do think that this team, for a long time, up to to right now, because it's a hockey thing, needs a captain who will get in a guy's face. I think it helps. I mean, if you go and look at at the Ducks, Ryan gets left, right? Yep. That's a guy who will get in your yeah, face. And you can't ass. tell me that that doesn't help. Yeah, it's a good, it's so a good thing. That's my point. It's a good thing. It's a pain in the ass. Gabriel Aniscock, pain in the ass. Yeah. You know, I... I, I Thank you. I, I, I think that's fine. I, I, I'm a big guy of kind of like dethroning hockey norms and standards and because I think it alienates general sports fans when... Hockey culture comes in and says, we do things this way, and you're an idiot if you don't think like us. And I think that's what really frustrates me about hockey. It's probably why I don't go all in on hockey like I do on baseball. Like I can sit there and watch a a baseball game that's not the Twins and and enjoy it and then be fine with it, and it's all right. With hockey games, it's sometimes hard to watch a, you know, Ducks-Kings game uh, for me because, number one, I just don't gravitate towards those teams. Sure. And I just I hate the culture sometimes that has that that takes place in hockey. And I think hockey's doing a very good job. And we've and look everyone right now, every league, every person, every individual has been trying to have uncomfortable conversations in this last six months. So everyone is starting that, and I'm proud that everyone's trying to do that. But I'm I really liked what Felino brought to the brings to the team still, and I'm not devastated by any means that he's not named the captain. Uh, I think Jared Spurgeon was the right call, but I I love that he is someone who says what's on his mind. I absolutely appreciate that instead of very quiet and very cliche, get pucks deep, and he's a good player, and he's a good teammate, and everyone steps up. It's a communal effort, blah, 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 robot talk. I can't stand that. So, yes, Jared Spurgeon's captain. It's good. It turns the page on the wild uh, in the next chapter. We Can we please just, like, stop with the whole Fenton ruin the wild thing? Can we stop? With everything else that they fell short, can we stop? It's actually Fletcher too, and Fletcher's part of the problem too. Well, like that era, it's more. It's more of Chuck's guys. It's that era of wild hockey is now done. Like move on, turn the page. If you're still going back, if you're still going back to the fact that you could have gotten more from Mikhail Granlin or that a coil trade was a little lackluster, maybe look and realize that those guys weren't going to get the pieces that you wanted. Maybe you overvalued the what Nino you trade, thought those players did. The Nino trade was awful. awful. And that's the awful and trade. And that's told, that's was rancid. The Fiala trade, he robbed them. It belongs in the trash. The and, Boldy pick might be very good. And look, by the way, Charlie Coyle, Nino Niederreiter, Mikhail Granlin, Jason Zucker, all four of them are nice pieces on a hockey team. They're not game-changing pieces, you guys. Like They're, they're not game-changing pieces sure. that, that elevated a team to the next level. Charlie Coyle is flat out, as a member of the Minnesota Wild, a disappointment. Yes, uh, Zucker was not a disappointment. No. Uh, Granlin wasn't. He I was up I and down. Granlin was. was never as good in the National Hockey League as we thought because we saw him play in Europe. Yeah, it's that simple. So you you saw these guys, and like we'll put a bow on this because I could go on for an hour. But you saw these guys six years ago in the 2014 run take the Blackhawks to six games, the semifinals, and we all thought this is now the new normal. We're not even upset that this happened because we're now going to elevate and we're going to go to the next step, Western Conference Finals. Here we come, right? Well, guess what? Those players never 
ever elevated to the next step of their game. Yeah, it's that simple. And that's, Fletch, and that's Fletcher's team. Yeah, and then hanging on to them and hanging on to them and hanging on to them Listen, to the last minute. When, when Nino scored the goal in overtime in Game 7 at Colorado, I've never been so certain that a team was on the rise. Yes. As I, I was. And it was a combination of Parisi and Suter and then the young court that you're talking about. And unfortunately, it never happened. It just didn't happen. Right. It didn't happen. But yeah, I mean, that is a... Um, and then, and, then, and then Fletcher couldn't bring himself to trade yeah. those guys, and so he eventually got fired. So, yeah. Uh, hey, let's go on to the to the juicy part of the show as far as training camp goes. This is one of our favorite topics in season. Uh, listen, this is a hockey staple, and to me it's not cliched because I enjoy it so much. Yes. I never get tired of line combinations. No, no, no. no. I never do. All right. Let's start with um, the highlights, the bullet points, and work from there, Declan Goff. You got it. Marcus Johansson. Yep who was acquired from Buffalo in the Eric Stahl trade, and we all assumed was going to be left at center where he played for Buffalo in a disappointing 2019-20 season. But he really is better suited to be a wing. Yep. But we all assumed that he was opening day training camp and the season was going to be the first line center because there's a lack of better options. Actually started training camp on the left wing with Benino at center and Fiala on the right wing. My first thought, and I understand this team needs centers, okay? Like, yep. they don't have them right now, but they don't. I I personally would prefer, if Johansson is flat out a better winger, I like this move. Yep. Because if you force a guy, the center position carries a lot of responsibilities, and if you're not great there, it can be a real problem. I like the fact that somebody, Everson, Guerin, a combination, basically said, let's not worry about this guy, about trying to force this guy into a really high-profile role that we're afraid he can't excel at. Let's put him where he's comfortable. Move one on this. I think it's the right move. I think it's the right move, too. I think Marcus Johansson is a very uber-talented dude. Um, When he was in Washington, he was dynamite. He was a fun player to watch. He's fast as heck, and from from what we've seen from notes at practice, that's, that's what he is. He's a fast player. Um, I don't think he was suited to be a center. So I'm totally okay with him being at wing and sticking him at wing. Now, you can make a case that, well, is Nick Bukestad really that better of an option at center? Well, at least he's predominantly played the position a little bit more. I know he's been fragile. He's been broken down by injuries and concussions and back problems. But I I actually would rather see Bukestad be in the middle on the top. And also, as I told you, I think Benino is, if do de facto, your best center you have two-way. Like he's still more of a defensive forward. And he's a center. third line ideal. He's yes. a third line yeah. center, but I'd rather have him also between two guys like Johansson and Fiala, who are, let's be honest, kind of one way players right now. I mean, Fiala can still elevate a game and be a defensive style player, but Johansson yeah. certainly isn't. Yeah. So you, if you have a steady yeah. rock in the middle in Benino, who's going to be kind of like a little saving grace between the two, because you know Johansson and Fiala might be a little bit limited defensively, I actually really like that pairing. And I think that's probably the Wild's best line. I really like it. So. That is technically, although, of course, the team would tell you we don't number lines, Jeff and Declan. That is technically their second line. The first line on the first day of training camp, and I think the first couple days of camp. Yep. You mentioned it. Bukestad at center. Yep. Parisi on the left wing. Kaprizov on the right wing. I'm with you on Bukestad. If you're going to force a guy, Bukestad is flat out not a first line center. We all know that, okay? No bleep, Sherlock. But if you're going to force a guy... To play a to play a too high profile position, 
I would far prefer what you just said, which is take a guy who you know can do it and has and Bukestead's biggest problem, I think, is staying on the ice. Yeah. He's had some problems with injuries and missed extensive time last season with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I think it's a better idea to give Bukestead a shot here. I don't think he's going to, to be great. I think he's probably, again, a guy who's probably a second or third line guy. But that being said, if you're going to go this direction, I think allowing Johansson to play the position at which he's completely comfortable. And by the way, if he's playing a position at which he's completely comfortable, he might excel. Yeah. Bukestead, I don't know. He might get hurt. Who knows? Um, but I think that the thought process here is right. You had mentioned to me, I think a couple weeks back when we weren't doing a Judd's Hockey Show on a weekly basis yet, you had mentioned to me, asked me the question, and then I think weighed in yourself on Kaprizov and Fiala potentially being line mates. Yeah. Uh, they are not to start off with. I told you I wouldn't do it at first, and I don't think that they will. But is that something that you would still like to see, or would you prefer to see how they fare split apart? Because I do think that there is a case to be made if you need instant offense. That could be really intriguing at certain points, much like the Blackhawks would have Taze and Kane together, mm-hmm. split them up. But then I think at certain points, like in third periods where they were trailing, would put them back together because you can generate offense. So. At first, I, I like the idea of them because they, I just think they're the two most skilled offensive players the Wild have, um, and that's that's not a hot take by any means. They're they're very very good, but I think for right now, it's probably is best to split them up. And also, it looks like, and we can get into this too, they're both going to be on the same power play unit. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have two of those dudes mm-hmm. on the same power play unit, well then I'm all in because because at, at that point, that's going to be your best opportunity to score a goal. Obviously, no again, no bleep Sherlock. So I, I think having both those guys on the wing, and and, and and being able to, to to find goals, then I'm all for that. I think that's a good idea. The interesting part about that power play dilemma is what they're going to do in the middle because even though Benino and Eck and and uh, and Bukestad are, are are your centers right now, your top three centers. Sorry, Victor Rast, not listening to you right, listening to you right now. We'll get to him. Um, Zach Parisi has been getting looks at in the dot. Yep, on the number one power play, and Michael Russo points this out in the Athletic Friend of the show that. He, he's going to be, you can't take him off the top power play because he makes his killing on the power play. Mm-hmm. So I, I, and I, I think that's a good move. I think you have to keep, like, what in what world would you take him off the top power play? So him in the draw, and he's actually, in, in smaller sample size, is actually in pretty decent in the, in the face-off circle. I don't think he's someone that's going to be in the face-off circle every night. But if you're in the offensive zone and you need to win a draw, and you have the, all those guys in Kaprizov, Fiala, Dumba, and Spurgeon, obviously Dumba and Spurgeon aren't taking it, Who's going to take it? It's probably going to be Zach. So I think that's the right move. Which to me is fine. Yeah. Even I have though, no problem with that. Even, and even though, look, I know Koivu had his limitations offensively towards the end, but like I understood why Koivu would take the draw on a power play in the number one unit. I, I would understand why he'd do that. I know then it was stall too, but like I could get that because you need to win that draw. That's very important for you to do. So if, if Zach's the best possible option with all your, and by the way, as, as number one power unit, Kaprizov, Parise, Fiala, Dumba, Spurgeon. I, like I love that. I was going to say, I, I seriously think you can love score, that. I think you could score some goals with that power yeah, play I'm, unit, don't you? I, I don't think it's going to be uh, the most lethal unit in the league, but I certainly think it has the potential to be a top 10 unit. Fiala would be really good there, and Kaprizov with, with the way that he can shoot. Dumba, yeah. Dumba on top, and Jared Spurgeon, who's as steady as it gets. Now your second unit, and Johansson, Benito, Bukestad, Hunt, and Suter. <laughs> it might be Brodian's, a... Brodian's getting looks there, too. My, sure. my guess is Hunt is going to be scratched a lot. Yep. So I think the second uh, power play is going to be Johansson, Bukestad, Benino, um, Suter, Brody. Yeah, that's probably, and that's probably a safety. And look, Hunt, Hunt, the only reason Brad Hunt is really 
on an NHL roster in the night and is to play the power play. Yeah, and I don't think he. I yeah, think I, he's going to be will a cool, healthy scratch. I will cool my jets on uh, the Brad Hunt hate that I had uh, uh, last year. Also, especially if Kaylin Addison's ready to go. Well, you're but, going to cut him, is what you're going to well, do. Yeah, I would, I would cut him. So he's you a nice guy. You can't he's, hate it. Oh, he's a great. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's a great dude. He's a fantastic. I'm a great guy. guy, but you might have to cut me. You know what? That's exactly right. Happen. Yeah, that that first power play to me could be really exciting. Oh yeah, and Parisi taking draws, I'm fine with. The thing about Zach is, is he is a professional, and so he is going to he's going to execute the assignment as best he possibly can. Like I'm never concerned about about his play itself. So there's not a there, there's been things off the ice sometimes about how he reacts to things that might mm-hmm. concern me, but I don't have concerns about his ability or his want to to execute what the coaching staff wants. Sure. So I think that I think if you go Parisi in the dot, Kaprizov, Fiala, it's pretty solid. So that gets us to the third line. And there's one thing that I'm sort of surprised here, and I guess I'm sort of not. The third line has Greenway and Felino on the wings, which, by the way, is a lot of beef. That's a yep. lot of big people right there. That's a, that, that's, that's a line that you are going to go into the corners against and probably not come out with the puck, you, you're assuming gonna, that Greenway is doing his job. You're going to match up that line against the top line. Yes. Uh, and then what's intriguing is Eck. Eck, who is an established center, who I think is ideally a third-line center, but I think that with the Wilds' current depth chart at uh, center, you could certainly make a case that he might be higher. But yes, I think his defensive abilities to what you just said and gre- and putting him with Greenway and Foligno, you've got at least two guys in Foligno and Eck who are going to make life miserable for top lines. Yeah, that, that's going to be your shutdown line. You need a big defensive faceoff win. You need to slow down a, a, a team in the off, in the defensive zone. That's going to be out there. And, and and you saw Eck, Greenway, and then when Luke Cunnan was here, that line was actually pretty productive together. They were pests. I, they weren't necessarily scoring goals, but they were preventing them. Cunnan was were, a good pest. And they were they're really good pests. Um, so I, I think that line actually does make a lot of sense. I think they might rely on that line when things aren't going well. Uh, but it's it's going to be a, a, a tough one to play against, especially with Greenway, Felino, and Eck literally making life miserable for top-line players. What's your expectation for Greenway? Great question. I can't decide now. I was so high on him, mm-hmm. and and I think he did come back in better shape because at the end of the summer playoff run, I think Bill Guerin pulled him aside and said, dude, 2021 is going to be incredibly important for you. But what should be the expectation there? Like... Marcus Foligno, is that his Marcus Foligno playing his best? Is that as good as Greenway can do? Because my initial thought process, Dex, on Jordan Greenway was that this was going to be a really not a star player, but a really good player who could get in front, who could score goals for for the things that I'm now talking about. Matt Boldy doing when he eventually gets here. I think I'd say that if if his ceiling is. Marcus Foligno on his best. I think that actually be probably a disappointment for who Jordan Greenway oh, is. Oh, hundred percent. I'm with you. So, but that's what I'm saying is, yeah. sh- should we reset the expectation to be that which you you nailed it? It that's if That'd that's his best, that's a big disappointment that's, that's to disappointment. me. And, big uh, disappointment. And Foligno's a nice player, and Greenway and Foligno, if that's their careers, they can have a nice little career. They can have a good ten year run in the Greenway, NHL, make some money. And Greenway it, and should be on one of the top two lines right yeah, now. Yeah, he should be. Um, and he, he'll have to earn that. He'll 100% have to earn that. And they've tried that before. They've put him in that area, and he hasn't succeeded. Um, yeah, he's he's supposed to be this typical big power forward who's going to get in front of the net, 
He's not going to, you know, dangle you with his stick handling by any means, but he's going to get in front of the net and he's going to get a dirty goal. Um, I would like for him to pick, pick a big step up. I thought if you're going to trade one of these kids, because I was hard on him last year, I thought it'd be Greenway. And maybe his value was just such in the tank that you probably couldn't get what you wanted for him. I think you just nailed it. And and, and I think Cunnan was the only player, and I'm disappointed that Cunnan is gone, but I understand why he was why he was traded, because I think people probably see like, oh, at least I've seen this kid score some goals. And I've seen this kid have intangibles off the ice that I could that I can build upon. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And I don't think people saw it with Greenway. And again, that's where I think fans and people who watch the team or cover the team put blinders on when you get so used to watching the same team and same players over and over again that they just aren't who you think they are. So I, I want Greenway to take a step up. If anything, I would say I'd put him, and unfortunately he's behind the eight ball with injuries, but it was him and Zuccarello that I want to see take the next step forward in different ways. Zuccarello is obviously an established veteran who's coming off the worst year of his career, and in Greenway in a chance of, dude, are you going to do this? Is this going to be, who do you want to be, basically, is Jordan Greenway? Who do you want to yeah. be? Yeah. And Matt Zuccarello, with this arm injury, unfortunately, Puts him behind it, but I, I, I really hope Jordan Greenway takes the next step because I think he has probably the most to prove on this roster. I he think he has a, the most to prove. He, he is a potentially great asset to have if he takes that step. Yeah. He could be, I mean, when you look at his size, what he should be able to do, parking himself in front of the net or going into the corners, he's got some skill. Yeah. He should be, yes. If he is, if his ceiling is Marcus Felino at Felino's best, it's a big d- disappointment. Uh, by the way, Luke Cunning got a two-year, four point six million dollar contract from the Nashville Predators. So I believe he was, and he was an RFA. So he was, he was trying to, I think, get his yeah, his so rights there. He got a bridge deal. Yeah, instead. good for him. All right, so the fourth line. So the fourth line: Victor Rask, classic, centering for Ryan Hartman and Nico Sturm. And like you said, Zuccarello is not accounted for because of the off-season arm surgery that he had. He won't be taking part in camp. So Rask, Sturm, who, by the way, in the bubble in Edmonton yeah. against the Canucks, I really liked. I, and I, I liked him before the shutdown, too, actually. There was a few games where he had a cup of coffee that he looked, looked fine. He looked serviceable. And Hartman is a very hard worker. Yep. I like. I mean, he's a fourth-line guy. That's who Ryan Hartman is. Yep. And that's, and that's really he's okay. good at it. And he's good at it. Um, the, the, the main key cog there is a the guy in the middle in Victor Rask. Now, Victor, actually, when they had him as just a fourth-line guy, wasn't that bad. And I say that with, as in, that was the Is best case the scenario. Yeah, he wasn't that. Yeah, like, yeah. Corsi Wise, he wasn't bad on, on the, the fourth analytics line. Didn't kill him. He didn't. He didn't get killed there. Sure. The problem was when I and this was uh, this was the Garen move that we talked about right around this time last year. That wait, uh, you, you did you did I see that Victor Rask is centering the second line and, and is the op- and is on the opening faceoff here against the Carolina Hurricanes. That was towards Raleigh. the end of Boudreaux. Is is that right? Was maybe. that towards the end of Boots? Yeah, maybe. And. Yeah, well, I think it was towards the end of Boots. And we all thought, and, and you knew for a damn well for a fact that Bruce Boudreaux had zero interest in yeah. putting him on the second. That was, and look, I respect Garen for saying that. Also, I think Garen has the pull and also the respect of a coach to say, hey, I've been there and done that. We got to, I got to figure out how to get this guy off my roster. And I can only do that if he plays 16 minutes a night, not nine minutes and garbage time. Um, I mean, I don't think Fenton did a very good job at trying to say that. Fenton just said, no, I need to put, I want this kid for Nino Niederreiter. He's going to play for him, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Garen's actually, Garen knows what it takes to be a player, obviously. So I hope Victor Rask, look, it's if it works out great, he's probably going to still be end up being a buyout candidate. It was a bad trade. He can't really skate. And I don't, He's an and I don't think it's, I don't think it's like he was out of shape and fat. I just don't think he can really skate. No, he can't. I don't think he can really skate, and I think he does have some skills, but because he can't skate, 
Like, I don't think he's bereft of skills, but because he can't skate well, he his skills don't matter. Right. I mean, yeah, he scored. Victor you know. Rask, I think, m- might have been a damn good player in 1986. In fact, in fact, you know what I bet? And I'm dead serious here. I'm not joking around. So Paul Fenton played in the 80s into the early 90s. I bet you Paul Fenton saw skills that translated to back then. Because Victor Rask is not a terrible player. But he can't get to pucks. And then when he does, he's often too late. Like, think about the deficiencies. The real deficiencies of his game are modern hockey. Mm -hmm. I mean, this game is so fast now that if you can't keep up, you're just pretty much screwed, I think. Yeah, it's his skating. And that, that's that's what I told you about Kaprizov, is can he skate? Because that's what we'll be able to tell. I know he can shoot. Every Honestly, and this doesn't even mean stereotyping, every Russian hockey player that's come over here can shoot the puck at will. I mean, it, it's it's insane. Can he skate? Can he skate and can at he be a two-way player? No. And, and we'll figure out. God bless America, we get to find and, out. And, and judging from the training camp notes, and obviously, that you know, just like any other spring training preseason, take that with some grain of salt, but it looks like he's the real deal. He's got insane offensive skill. He's catching the eyes of, of everyone on the ice. I think there's still like a little bit, obviously, a little bit of a language barrier there, him trying to communicate and where to go. But thankfully, hockey is such, you know, uh, I, I know where to be even if I don't speak the same language. Right, you can figure it uh, out. I'm waiting to see him in, at, at Camar. Apparently, he's close to me in the North Loop. Yeah, I saw that. He's in Minneapolis. Yeah, he's close what, to me. Uh, why don't you Chucks. guys go hang? Yeah, I've been looking for him. Kamarchuk's. Kamarchuk, yeah. Go hang there. I can hang with him. Can you imagine him in a seltzer? I think he might do it. He like obviously is vodka, I know vodka in, in Russian. I can like, see him yeah. drinking for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll hang out with him. I'll let you know. And th- then in goal, Cam Talbot, Kapo Kakinen, Andrew the Hamburger Hammond, Stalock is <laughs> hurt. Hamburger. Um I really so the one thing in goal that I'm really curious because of the schedule and, and all the back to backs, the backup goaltender is gonna have to play. Yep. Like you can't, you can't be like, hey, Cam Talbot, can you play fifty four? And uh, and <laughs> if Stalock comes back or Capo, can you play too? The backup goaltender is going to have to play. I'm I'm guessing with Stalock still out that he's not going to be back for a while. Yeah. Um. So Capo, I would hope is going to be the backup. I am really curious to see that that one play out because again, from what the small sample size that we saw. Last year, when Capo got called up, I thought he played pretty well. I did too. I think there might be something here. What's, what's I think Cam is going to be here's the, the guy. Conund- here's the conundrum. The conundrum is 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 Cam Talbot's the guy, and it's just going to be and, and you're not going to like to hear this, but essentially, it's going to be what Dubnik was two or three years ago, where he's starting seventy percent of the games. I think that that is the, that that's what they want him to be. Can they you do want that him to be though, the number with one guy. Schedule? That's the that's I don't the conundrum. think you can do that. That's to him our with conundrum. The, I don't think you can do that to Cam Talbot. Like you're you are right. He's going to play a lot. Yep. So I'm not trying to downplay this. Um, but look at the schedule. I mean, you're traveling. You, you got a lot of travel, or I should say, West travel. You got a lot of that, but you also have a lot of these back to backs. Um, or or. Game day off, game immediately again. You're right in the fact that it's going to be the conundrum to make the decision, but I am confident that we're going to see enough of Capo to at least get a read on him. Yeah, a full read, which I think he might be pretty good. Yeah, and I, that's the problem is, or maybe it's a good problem to have is this schedule. It's basically a baseball schedule, some abbreviated baseball. You're playing back to backs. You're playing two game series. You're, you're Typically, in a back-to-back, you always start the backup goalie. So I'm, I'm just curious how that goalie rotation works. I, I'm really interested how it goes. I think it's, I think that Capo is going to be the backup guy. 
I think I think that'd be best served too. Like Hammond's fine. Hammond's also is a lifer AHL goalie. You know, like there's a reason they didn't bring back Matt Robson. Too. Yeah, I think he's just there to sit there as the third guy until Stalock comes back, don't yeah. you? And I and I agree. And That's then probably he'll, what it he'll is. go to Iowa. Mm-hmm. I think I think the American Hockey League teams that are going to play uh, start in February. Yeah. So I, I think know. I think at that point Hammond will go down there. But all right. So last thing. Defensive pairings, I think the top four are incredibly solid. Yes. Um, as far as players. Suter, Spurgeon, Rodine, mm-hmm. Dumba, who I don't – I'm guessing now is not going to get traded during this season. I think he might be traded next offseason. Could be. I, is yep. my guess. Yep. But, I th- but the thing is, too, I think that Dumba – I've said this since last year. W- when you look at the amount of shots that that guy had that he didn't score on, and he was snake bit, I think – that Matt Dumba is going to come back with a very solid year. And I think he's going to get back to scoring. He He's probably not going to be on the pace that he was when he got hurt a couple years back in the fight with Kachuk. Yep. But Declan, I think he is going to rebound and put up very solid offensive statistics. And he's going to have a year that if the Wild chops him, makes him even more of a value, which he is presently, because he, he is a right-handed shot defenseman. But I think we're about to see a season from him in which he solidifies that value. Yeah, and I can I can guarantee you he won't have another frustrating season like he did last year where his the shooting, shooting percentage was criminally low. It won't happen again. I, like it just it typically with shooting percentages and save percentages, it just it fluctuates. That's just that's just how it goes. Um, and the conundrum, the, uh, the, again to use the word conundrum, which is I guess the word of the show today. Um, it's a great word. So he, he's under contract for six million for this season and then next season. And then he's a UFA again. Yep, and look, that's six, yeah. and six million. And if he has the year he's going to have, he's going to want another bump. So I'm curious how that goes for him. Yes, he's a very interesting trade piece if they want to pursue that. Uh, but he is such a rarity at his position, even, and even though that's becoming the new norm. And look, Dougie Hamilton's a UFA after this year. He's probably going to set the market on what Dumbo would want to ask for. So <laughs> it's, go- it's going to be very interesting to see how, how that goes. But I, I, I think Dumba is going to rebound just fine. You saw him that it, it was affecting his game towards the end. So I'm curious how it goes. If he has a good year and you take him to market in what, July, and he is has solidified himself enough at that point, you have to think that you would be talking about the potential return of a center that you really like, right? Yep. That, and I mean, it. that's the one that I don't want to trade him because I actually think that, you know, with, with his skill set, those guys are, are hard to find. Read a guy like Brent Burns who got traded. But that being said, if you discover that basically you, you've got a bunch of uh, centers who belong as second and probably third line guys and that you need one top guy, that's the guy that could probably get you that guy. It would be the, yeah, it would be the. NHL ready piece that pushes you over because it would still take a draft pick. Probably would still take a top pro if you're indeed you're trying to trade for one, right? If if, right. if that's what we're but looking you might at decide, here. but you might decide for twenty one twenty two that this is the piece. And fifty six games is a is great because it's going to end quick. Well, like it, I I think that a fifty six game season as consolidated as this thing is going to be is going to go fast. But it's also going to be enough to allow you to make credible value judgments on players. I agree. 
I, I'm I'm curious how it goes out. I, I like it. It's gonna be quick. I it's loved, gonna be fast. I love the schedule. And and uh, there's only nine nine p.m. starts, so calm down. It's not gonna be that bad. That's only like twenty percent of the season. I'm telling you, the division is a blessing. That yeah. four that four spot is there for the taking. Yes. In the central, it's tougher. Yeah, I agree. No, that four spot. In fact, hold. Wait, wait. I just wait. I referred to it wrong. Hold on a second. Let me go through. My oh, the, I know you're going. I, I got it wrong. Going. I'm sorry. I'd, uh, I'd like to the apologize. Discover? Um, no. Hold on a second. No, hold on. The wait, West the Honda? Honda. The Honda. The West Division by okay. The West Division <laughs> by Honda. To me, it's a blessing to be in there as opposed to the Central Division by Discover. Because if you're in the Central Division by Discover, yeah, it's going to be a log jam. The West. Division by Honda. I got the Sharks. I got the Kings. I got the Ducks. I don't know if they're going to be good. Um, the East Division by Mass Mutual. That's a that's a backbreaker. Oh yeah, the Mass Mutual Division, a backbreaker. Oh. And then of course our friends in Canada. They got the North Division by uh, that's branded by Scotiabank. Oh, I tell you what, but that East Division by Mass Mutual. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah. All right, final thoughts. Uh, yeah, don't complain about those division names, by the way. Don't Bloggers are supposed to, what, stay off your back about division names, start times, um, and what's the, oh, Paul Fenton. I, I've, I haven't gotten much pushback on the divisional thing. Uh, the start times, too. I uh, the only people I get pushed back from it. start times are you, are people your age group. Yeah, I don't like late starts. Yeah, I know you don't like late starts. But you know what? I saw the schedule. I, I saw what I think is a bunch of, like, 8.30 starts. Those are great. Yeah, I love that. 8.30 is a fantastic I just want time hockey. to drop the puck. I'm young. I'm single. I don't have any kids. I don't have any dogs. I'm up late, okay? So I don't care. I, don't, I have I don't no care. kids. The dog does not stop me. It's literally staying out for the third period. So is, is, is still, and does Stella make it to the third period? It depends. Yeah. Sometimes yes. Sometimes no. Good games, of course. Of course. All right. Judd's All right, Hockey sir. Show will be back uh, in a week or who knows if something big goes down before then. We're back weekly. We appreciate you, as always, watching and listening. Declan? Pass, shoot, score. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.